Hey y'all, welcome back to my Katie on the Flipside podcast. This is the first podcast with content and audio that is coming only from the podcast and not from a YouTube video that was uploaded and I took the audio out of it. So it's something I really just wanted to talk about without worrying about having to cut myself um, talking about things because I know when I do that, I tend to get more worried about what I'm going to say when I feel like I have to just say it and get it all out there. In one stream of thought, I'm more likely to say the things that I truly mean. I'm honestly a little bit afraid of recording this because there's some things that I've just been like, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to just make myself uncomfortable and film these things because it's really important to share this stuff. I feel like the things that I'm about to talk about in this podcast are the things that really spoke to me and got me to, um, I guess you could say, the next level in dealing with the um, addiction that was going on in our household, um, the stuff that Cullen was dealing with, um, me being able to just handle my side of it, and start to make a change. I get so many emails, um, not emails actually, see this is where I usually start cutting and questioning what I'm talking about because I start saying random things that don't make sense. I start, um, I get a lot of messages um, from people saying, hey, you know, I'm trying to work on myself. Um, My husband is having so much struggles with addiction or, you know, there's this, that, and the other going on. And I just... I can't, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do I do? Like, what do I do now? He doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to get help. Um, I don't really want to go to therapy by myself or, you know, I've tried or whatever. Um, I get that question a lot. Like, what do I do? I'm in the situation you were in a year ago, two years ago. What do I do? And I feel like I've said about so many other things, there's no straight, direct answer. And I'm so tempted to want to just give you guys the answer of what I'm doing right now. But that's not going to be helpful because a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to be doing what I'm doing right now. It all takes starting with the first step. So I really just want to share with you today about kind of where to start. Um, It's a little bit of a tough thing to swallow. Um, It was for me. took me a while to kind of get to a point where I accepted that this is what I needed to do. I listened to so many different people talk about it, read so many different posts about it, and was finally like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm going to move on. So let me just kind of go through this and talk to you guys. Hold on. I hope that things are recording. This is my first time to use this software to record a podcast. So, okay, still recording. It's okay if my phone locks. It's okay. All right. Um, So I felt like, Whew, man, this is like, I'm trying not to be nervous to share some of this stuff because the people that impacted me the most were the ones that I listened to. And I was like, oh my goodness, does your mom not listen to this podcast? (laughs) Like, does your family know you're talking about this stuff right now? Because dang, but you know what? I've got to just get past that. I've got to get over it. Um, I'm going to share my truth and try to be brutally honest and not sugarcoat it um, because a lot of times I sugarcoat things in a way that tries to protect myself, tries to protect other people um, from hearing things that they either don't want to hear, shouldn't hear, whatever. But whatever, we're talking about it today and I'm just going to talk to y'all because I feel like this is really important to share. Okay, so I was at a point where I felt like 
I had tried everything. If y'all have no clue what I'm talking about, um, we, my husband and I were in a situation where he was dealing with some drug addiction. Um, it had been something that was kind of in and out of our lives randomly, not really a major deal um, until it became a big deal. It would come up every, you know, six months, a year, something like that in our marriage. And I would find something that he had done. I would get pissed off about it. He would apologize and then we'd move on and it wouldn't happen again for a while or I wouldn't find out for a while. Who knows? Um, and his issue, which is also debatable and people have their own opinions on this, but it really doesn't matter what other people thought, think because it was an issue for him. Um, his addiction was with marijuana. And I know y'all are like, it's not addictive. It's a, just a plant, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I don't care. Shoes aren't psychologically, physiologically addictive either. But people have problems with addictions to shoes, to shopping, to um, gambling, to whatever else. Like, they're just because it's a substance that's known to be not addictive... I'm sorry, it can be. If there's something that's interfering with your life, is if there's something that you are hiding from your spouse that's coming between you guys, if it's something that's changing your behavior, changing your attitudes, changing the way you live your life, changing your priorities because you are spending the entire day either trying to get more of the substance or enjoying the substance instead of taking care of your responsibilities. It is an addiction. It is a problem. So you can have your opinions on that, but that was the main problem for us. Okay. So let's just get back to what we were talking about before everybody's like, what was that? What was he addicted to? Okay. So, um, I felt like I was at a part, a place where I had tried everything. I had tried, you know, when I would find stuff, confronting him with it, telling him that if I ever found something like this again, I was leaving, um, talking to, you know, his sister, talking to my sister, talking to friends, having friends talk to him, having his sister talk to him, you know, just all the things where it's like, you're just searching and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try anything. Um, finding when I would find things, throwing them away and not saying anything. Um, just everything. I, y'all, y'all know you've, if you're listening to this because this is an issue for you, you've been there. You've tried all the different things. You've sent all the motivational links, all the information about why this is bad for you, all the stories of your friends whose family members have died from drug addiction, um, all the examples of when you had to take care of the kids by yourself because he wasn't there and, you know, just the, everything. You've, you've gone through it all and did you ever leave? Have you left? No, probably not. If you're listening to this, um, did you want to leave a million times? Yes, that would be me. Did I make up my mind? I was leaving. I was done. And this was over a million times. Yes. Um, that doesn't, that didn't work. Um, it didn't, it didn't help anybody at all. It especially didn't help me because then I started to doubt myself, which a lot of that is part of the addiction. Um, or the addict is that generally the person who is addicted is going to in some way try to convince you that you're being too much. You're too extra. You're too paranoid. It's not a big deal there. This is just how they are. Everybody 
smokes pot, don't you know? Everybody spends this much money a month on drugs. Um, so many people do it. So many, if you would just be a cool wife, if you would just be cool with it, then everything would be fine. And let me just tell you, there was a point where I said, okay, you know what? Maybe he's right. I do know other people who, in their marriage, in their family, they they smoke pot or they, you know, use whatever substance of marijuana that they choose to. And it's fine. And they have a fine relationship and everything's good. Maybe I am just crazy. Maybe I'm just dramatic. Forget the fact that it is, like, incredibly affecting not only his life, his work, and everything, but his personality and our relationship and all kinds of stuff. So I said, you know what? That's fine. I guess maybe I'm just, maybe I should just be cool about it. So, okay, you go ahead then. You go ahead. I won't say anything about it. Um, as long as you, you know, keep upholding your responsibilities in life or whatever. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and so we went there and he has told me now that that was the point at which he was like, okay, she says it's fine. I am going to have a dadgum heyday. I'm going to go to town and do this as much as I want to, whenever I want to. And that wasn't really what I intended, you know. <laughs> I didn't really know, and I didn't really mean that I was going to be okay with it happening at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning when he's at home by himself with the kids while I'm gone to do something else. That's not what I meant when I said that. Um, and so basically kind of the first thing is that that was, that was where my slippery slope started when I started to question myself and what I wanted in a relationship, what I wanted in a family that I didn't want to um, come out of my daughter's bedroom from putting her to bed at night and smell pot because it was coming in the house from the garage or, you know, whatever else. And, um, you know, not, I don't know. I feel like some of this stuff, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm just intentionally throwing Cullen under the bus because he's come a long way. And I think this is part of the story. Um, but you know, then I was made to believe that, well, what's the big deal? The kids are asleep and blah, blah, blah. I, okay. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to smell that. That's not what I want as a part of my marriage. So, um, that was kind of my first, like when I, I started to realize, like, I, there's nothing I can do about this. It's his, it's his house. He lives here. What do I do? Um, I'm just going to have to be okay with it because whatever, I don't know. This is a hard part to talk about. <laughs> I'm trying to be as open with you guys as I can without stopping myself. Um, but it was hard, and I started to just compromise my own morals, compromise my own standards that I had set in my head, compromise what I wanted for my family and my household, and, you know, that's that becomes a problem. So, finally, the point of what we're talking about here is getting to the part where the only thing that's going to work, and I'll explain what it means for something to work in a minute, is to work on yourself, is to truly find a way that you can be happy on your own no matter what the other person is doing. And that is something that I, I, I 100% was like, no, that's never going to happen. He lives in this house. He is my husband, and I will not be happy if he's doing stuff that I don't like. There's no way that I can be happy. 
Well, the more I listened to things, the more I learned about things, the more I found that that was the answer for me to my problems, to my issues, was gaining my self-confidence, gaining my approval of myself to know that I can be happy on my own. I don't need him to be doing everything right. I don't need him to be the one to make me happy. That's not his responsibility, just like it's not my responsibility to make him get his life under control. That was a really hard thing for me to accept. Um, But when I kept seeing that nothing was changing, nothing was changing, things were getting worse, and I was getting more down about it, I was missing out on days of my life. I was missing out on weeks of my life when I would spend the entire day so stressed out and upset because of something that had happened the day before that I was not able to move forward with the things I needed to do that I had to do. I was only half available for my kids and it was all based on something that somebody else did. I had to learn how to be happy for myself, no matter what was happening around me. I know you're probably sitting there if you're at the point that I was going, yeah, there's no way for that to happen. Now, I'm not saying that right now I don't get upset and stressed out and still have a hard time getting past things that happen between us, fights that happen between us, whatever. Um, But I have learned to deal with it a lot better. Um, One thing that really got to me was, um, or really spoke to me was somebody saying, um, you know, when you start to see that's not, that nothing's changing, start thinking about it at the end of your day, because with addiction, unless your partner, your spouse is entering into their own recovery, unless they are willing to get help, admitting they have a problem, unless they're at that point, things are not going to get better. There may be days where they tell you they're going to stop. They're not going to do anything. They promise they're never, they'll never do it again. Make it better for a couple days, but the next time it's probably going to be worse. Things generally only get worse until that person decides that they are going to change their life. Um, so on each day, ask yourself, if today was the best day, if, thing, if this was the best things got in our marriage and in my life, would I want to, it to stay like this? Like, would this satisfy me and make me happy if the way things were today was the way it was every day for the rest of my life? If this was, this was the absolute best day that it could be? Because even on the worst day with addiction in your house, there are going to be worse days if it continues the way it's going, if the person hasn't decided to change their life. Not saying that once you're on the road to recovery, there's not going to be hard days again. But I can promise you that if the addict hasn't decided to change today that was your worst day that you've had in a long time, there'll be a worse one. I can guarantee you that there will be a worse one. Um, Even on the good days, they were usually riddled with me thinking constantly about what he was doing, questioning what he was doing, feeling like I had been deceived, thinking that I was sitting here interacting with somebody that was lying to me, that was hiding stuff from me. It it was even on the good days. We would get to, you know, the end of a day and Cullen would be like, why are you, why are you like bringing this up right now? I thought we were having a good day. I'm like, yes, it was on the surface. It was a good day, but you don't know what was going on in my mind throughout the day behind the scenes. So ask yourself that. 
And, and, and if your answer is, yeah, sure, I would be fine. I would be wonderful. I would be completely fulfilled in my life if every day was like today, then fabulous. You just continue on your path. If you're like, mm, it was all right, but you know, I really, this isn't where I saw myself five years ago. I wouldn't have been impressed. <laughs> then you need to change something. Something's got to change. Um, as the spouse of somebody dealing with addiction, I can say that I and we as those people live and breathe for the false hope that things will get better, that your spouse, your husband, your wife, your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend will change. We live for that hope. It's always there. Oh, my gosh. Well, what, it's, it's going to if I just do this. Like, okay, so I'm going to send him this link. Oh, this one will definitely change his mind. I'm going to send him this motivational podcast that I heard. This is going to change his mind, absolutely. Okay, but this isn't what you need to be focusing on. That, that's, not, that's not the hope that's going to get you freedom from your own thoughts and get you peace. It's, it's, it's just not. You can't have hope in somebody else changing. You can't. No, that can't guide your life. You can't guide your day by trying to figure out what you can do to help somebody change. This is this podcast right now that I'm recording is not about how to get your spouse to change. And some of you may be like, oh, okay, well, then I'm leaving now because I was just here to hear about how to get my partner to change. That's not what this is about. Even if they don't change, even if they decide that they want to continue their addiction as their way of life, you have to find your happiness and move on with your life. You are worth more than being brought to the level of somebody else's crappy existence that they want to live. That That's not for you. It's really not. You have so much more in store for you than that. And the point of all that is that you have to let them find their own rock bottom. You can't make rock bottom for somebody. You can't threaten to leave. That's not going to be it. Um, they may care. They may not care. They probably don't care if you threaten to leave. They know you won't. They know it's a bunch of talk, and they know that they can keep having their fun and doing what they want to do. And you will be mad for a little while, but then you're going to get over it. Threatening to leave is not going to be their rock bottom. You actually packing your stuff up and leaving for a couple days and then coming back, not going to be their rock bottom. I, I can tell you that. Most likely, that's not going to be their rock bottom because they're living their life in your house without the stress of you nagging them and getting on to them about doing stuff. They can do whatever they want. They're comfortable. They've got their bed. You've left. They don't care if you're happy or not. They know you're stressed out about it, but they don't care because they can keep enjoying doing what they want to do. Sorry, I've got to get some water because I'm getting a little bit fired up about this. Okay, so how do we like how do we get to this point is probably you're like, okay, all right, all right, I get it. How do we get there? So one of the things that has been extremely helpful for me and I've said this before, is finding resources, finding Facebook groups, finding podcasts, finding um, forums online. There's Al-Anon is for partners, spouses, girlfriends, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, uncles, whoever of addicts. 
um, anybody who is in a relationship with somebody. It is for the partner. It is not for the addict. It is where people go and they sit together and they talk about this. You hear stories of inspiration. You hear how things, how somebody got through it, blah, blah, blah. There's also online Facebook groups for this. And that was one of the main things that got me through this. And as I would come across comments or posts that would really speak to me, I would screenshot things and I would put them all in an album so that I could look back on them for reference when I was feeling down, when I was questioning myself, when I found myself slipping back into the patterns that I didn't need to be in. I would go to this album and look at some things. Um, Let me just tell you about one of them. I'm going to read a couple of things. This is one that really is the first thing that I screenshotted and put in my album. This was back in December of 2018. Um, So this person said, I acquainted walking away with losing or giving up, never with saving myself. People in my life praised me. I needed someone who didn't absolve me of my responsibility and everything. The alcoholic that gave me, no, the recovering alcoholic that gave me the honest advice that my ex alcoholic husband and I were toxic to each other also inadvertently gave me the words I used to leave my situation. I said to him, I can't believe this is my life. And this person who had been through this before and is giving her the advice said, but it doesn't have to be. She said, let me just say that again. She said, I can't believe this is my life. And I had that thought many times. And this person said back to her, But it doesn't have to be. This does not have to be your life. That is your choice. So this girl says, five days later, I found myself sitting in my car with my ex-husband high and screaming at me. And again, I thought, I can't believe this is my life. Like she just was sitting there thinking to herself, I can't believe this is my life. And she says, a light bulb came on. It doesn't have to be. And a mental switch flipped. And I turned and looked at him and calmly said, I can't do this with you anymore. I'm done. Internally, things immediately change, and I've never looked back. Okay, so I just went through a rant telling y'all not to just walk out and leave. Um, And then that's what this girl did. But she was also at a different place where she was actually, like, ready to leave. This is her ex-husband now. And I'm not saying that you should leave. I'm saying... When you find yourself thinking, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe they're doing this to me. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. You can tell yourself it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this way. You can not have to sit there and get out of the car and leave and be completely done and divorce your spouse. But you can say it doesn't have to be. I don't have to expose myself to this. If I'm sitting in this car being yelled at, I can get out of the car and walk away and not allow myself in this environment, which there's a lot of that that I'm going to talk about later because it is so relevant to a whole different topic. Um, the main part of all of this, of being able to do that, is detaching. And detachment is a term that in the sense of addiction or in a sense of what we're talking about here, in a sense of any abusive relationship, I didn't really understand detachment. Um, I found this graphic that I screenshotted and put in my album, and it says, Detachment is not the absence of love, but the ability to take care of yourself in the midst of someone else's choices. So that's something that at first I didn't understand. Well, how's it going to help him if I detach? He needs love right now. He needs help. He needs somebody to be there for him. How's it going to help for me to detach myself from him? And I realized you can, you can still love somebody. Detachment is not the absence of love. 
It's the ability to take care of yourself and still live your life and still be mentally sound and stable in the midst of somebody else's choices. When somebody else is living their worst life, you can go about pursuing your best life regardless of what somebody else is doing. And that is detachment. Loving them but not enabling is huge. Um, Somebody else said that I screenshotted, you can't love someone into sobriety. So you can't love love them sober. And somebody commented back and said, very true, but you can love them so much that they stay in addiction. I did that for years. And that hit me really hard too. Like you think I'm going to just, I'm going to support them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to do all this and they'll get sober. They'll finally see that there's somebody that loves them so much and this is what they need. You can't love them into sobriety. That's, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, But you can love them so much that you end up being the enabler, being the one that's encouraging them to stay in their addiction. Um, being the one that nags them so much they stay in their addiction. Being the one that is so unhappy in your own life that they have no positivity in their household either from your standpoint. They, they don't have any reason to want to improve their life because you're just this crazy person who's always complaining about the awful things they do. And yes, the things they are doing are probably awful if it's bothering you, if it's hurting you, if it's upsetting you. But just because you're upset about it doesn't mean that's going to make them want to change. Um, I think it's just, oh my goodness, it's so hard because when I first started hearing work on yourself, work on yourself, work on your own recovery, it was like, okay, I get it. So I need to work on myself so that I'll be better for them. So that maybe it's because I suck that they're drinking too much or that they're smoking pot or that they're, you know, whatever. No, it's working on yourself is not about them getting better. Um, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about working on yourself so that you can be better yourself, whether they get better or not, whether they decide to go into recovery, that's where you have to go into your self work, your self care, your pursuing your goals and your dreams is saying to yourself, okay, what would my life look like if they never get better? What would I want to still be here? Would I want to still be living this life of somebody that's passed out on the couch every night when I wake up in the morning because they've passed out from drinking too much the night before? Or they stay up until 4 a.m. playing video games because they're high and never come to bed with me, never spend time with me, never emotionally connect with me? Would that be okay with me? And you know what? If that's okay with you, I'm... Generally, I would say that's fine. You live your life. And I will say that's fine. You live your life. But that is, that's, nobody is worth that little. Nobody is worth being in a household, living a life like that. That's not, it's just, that's not acceptable. Um, you're worth more than that. I don't know you, but I know that you are. I know you're worth more than that. I mean, it's just ridiculous to even think that that's okay. Um, so, when you're thinking about how you want your life to be, whether they get better or not, that means setting up some boundaries and finding out if you can still live together um, while you find your happiness. So it may not mean getting up and walking out and leaving and never coming back. It may mean 
setting up some boundaries, like I said, of if somebody's yelling at you, abusing you verbally, you can walk away. You can say, I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. If they follow you and try to continue to berate you and keep at it, you can literally walk out of your house. Um, I know a lot of you guys have kids. You can call a friend, call somebody to help you. You do not have to stay in that situation. Um, You can tell them at a time when things are not heated that you don't want to talk to them about serious topics when they are drunk or high or on whatever it is that their issue is. Um, And you can have an agreement. I know talking about having an agreement with somebody who is in active addiction is really frustrating (laughs) because you make these agreements and then they never stick. Um, But currently in our current life, Cullen and I do have some alcoholic beverages um, every now and then. And we've talked about that before. That's a whole other topic I'm not going to get into. But that was not the main part of our problem. Um, So we still do enjoy a beverage here and there. But we have had to have an agreement that we will not talk about serious emotion-provoking topics when we're drinking because we know that we both end up getting too emotionally charged. And it's just not a good time to to talk about things. Um, obviously if something super important comes up, we'll talk about it, but we try to just keep that out of that time. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an example of a boundary. You can set a boundary that you don't want any illegal substances or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is in your house. Um, one of the things for me initially was I was like, I don't want to smell it. I don't want it in the house. I don't want I don't want it to be somewhere where the kids could get to it. Like, you know, all of those things. And of course, they're not going to like that boundary because who, who wants to? And I at first didn't. I was like, well, so what? I'm telling him to like go do it while he's driving around. <laughs> go do it while he's away from home. But I don't want him to be away from home and, you know, getting himself into even deeper into things. But you have to have some boundaries if you're going to stay in this relationship you have to set some boundaries. And, you know, if you don't want it in the house, that is a boundary that you can set. Yes, it's their house too. But no, it's not okay to have illegal stuff around your kids or in your in your household. So, you know, we can have a whole nother episode on boundaries and kind of how to set those and what they are and what they mean. But basically... That's one of the one of the important things is setting some boundaries, getting yourself to a place where you really can feel like you have the ideal setup for you to achieve your goals. Maybe that means, you know, doing taking over responsibilities for the kids solely yourself, imagining that they're not even there and not that it's helpful to not ask them for help or expect them to help, but finding ways that you know you could survive if they weren't around. Finding ways kind of practicing living your life as if you were a single parent. Um, I know I got to a point last year where I was like, you know, I I truly don't know that our marriage is going to last, and I really feel like it's probably not. So I need to figure out what I would do with these kids if I, like, what help would I need? How would I 
How would I, how would I live my life? How would I be able to do the things I need to do for work, for my personal life, you know, all the, all that stuff. How would I make that work? And so I started kind of figuring it out and thinking, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I have a babysitter on this day. I'm not going to rely on him to cover for the days when I need to film something or when I need to edit something, I'm going to have a babysitter lined up because if he's, if he's drunk or high or whatever, that's on him. And I'm only going to, you know, I'm not going to put up with that for that long, but I want to make sure that I can figure out a way that if this doesn't work out, I'll be able to continue to live my life. Um, you gotta, you gotta just plan for both ways, trying to find your happiness trying to find the way that you can live your life one way or the other. Um, One comment I saw as I was going through all of this in one of my groups a while back really, really struck me and kind of changed my my perspective um, of what I was allowing in our family. So this girl said, as a now single mom, because I divorced my alcoholic husband, my family was already broken by addiction. Divorcing my alcoholic husband didn't make my kids grow up in a broken home. It had never really been whole. Um, it like I seriously get emotional reading that because that was such a changing point in my perspective on all of this. You know, I had the perspective of we need to stay together because I don't want the kids to grow up without their dad. I don't, you know, I don't that I don't believe in that. I think we should stay together. But then when I realized it's actually more harmful for them to be in the home that is not whole as it is than it would be for our home to be broken by divorce. Um, And everybody has their own opinions on that. But at the time, that was so true. Um, This girl goes on to say, my kids are happier because now there's stability and safety. We cannot control what the addict does, only what we do in response I'm grateful every single day that I finally freed myself and my children from the grip of their father's addiction. Um, and obviously, if you guys know, Cullen and I are still together. We're still married. He is in recovery, and we're working through that every day. But coming to the point where I realized that should it not work out, should we end up separating, should I end up needing to leave, it was going to be the best decision for my kids. And I had to get to the point where I was looking at it from that perspective instead of just, what are people going to think? What's going to happen? I don't want them to live this way, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's going to be, there's so much instability with addiction. There's so much up and down. There's so much, you know, unpredictability, lack of safety, whether that's physical or emotional safety, there's so much and you don't realize what it's like until you envision what you want your future to be like. What do you want your kids to feel when they're at home? What do you want your kids to feel when they see their, their parent that is an addict? It's just, it's, it gets really, really hard. Um, somebody responded to this girl's comment and said, recovery first, dear. If it were possible for you to set boundaries successful without it, you would have already. Recovery is a process. Um, As the spouse or partner of an addict, you are in need of recovery yourself. They are not the only ones who need recovery. 
you will not be able to successfully set boundaries and successfully navigate your path to your future without your recovery. One thing that I've heard a lot too is as the partner of an addict, you are addicted to the addict. You're addicted to trying to fix them. You are addicted to trying to um, get them in recovery, trying to figure out what to do next when they aren't doing what they're supposed to do. But you have to work on your recovery before you can recover your marriage, before you can recover your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your partner. Um, You've got to stop trying to fix them. This is not about them, but it's 100% about them. But it's not about you fixing them. This is 100% about you deciding what you want for your life. And if today was the best it's going to get, would you want it to continue? If not, what do you need to do? What can you do to find where you need to be? Um, You have to go on with your life, even if they're not going on with theirs. You have to realize that through finding your happiness, you're going to see what you're missing and how much better your life could be and that you can have happiness. You can continue your life regardless of whether they're continuing theirs, regardless of whether they're getting better, um, whether that means staying or going. You have to work on you. Um, so my first steps to beginning your own recovery Like I've said, finding Facebook groups, online forums. Um, If you go to search Al-Anon, search Naranon, if you're looking at more than just alcohol use, um, they have online forums. They have online meetings where you can be in like a chat room. You can be completely anonymous. You don't even have to put in your real name. You can be a part of those groups and you can listen to the stories And in hearing those stories, you will hear the stories of strength and how people overcame it. Um, Facebook groups, if you're dealing with an alcoholic, search wife of an alcoholic, spouse of an alcoholic, girlfriends with alcoholic boyfriends. I mean, like, search the stuff. Search family member of an alcoholic. All of that. You're going to find Facebook groups where people chat about this stuff. Um... The book that was most helpful for me in starting this journey was Codependent No More. Incredibly eye-opening. Like, holy crap, I've been letting this stuff happen and I didn't even know this was a problem. Um, You can listen to it on Audible or you can obviously read it as a real book. Pretty sure it's available like on Kindle or as an ebook or whatever else. Um, You can search for Codependent No More on Facebook, on Instagram. Search for accounts that post encouraging things that remind you to keep working on your recovery. Follow those accounts. Look at their stuff every day. Every single day, you need to be looking at something to remind you of your goals and what you want out of your life. You need to stop looking up stuff about addiction and how to make an addict stop being an addict. There's, you've got to stop. You've got to stop researching on what it means to be an addict. What, what is happening in their brain? Why are they thinking this way? Some of that is super helpful in understanding why and what and all of that, but it's, you can only do that for so long. It is important to understand that, but don't get stuck there. Move on. Start looking at how do I find happiness 
when my partner's not happy. I'm sure if you Google that, you will find some helpful resources. This is 2019. There are a million resources out there on how to help yourself get get through this, whether they get better, better or not. Um, I don't ex- expect you to take what I'm saying as the gospel truth, but I know that the more resources I found where I kept hearing these same things over and over and over again, more success stories you read, whether it's that they found their happiness without their spouse or they found their happiness with their spouse, whether their spouse got better or never did, you will see the same patterns of growth over and over again. So this isn't about changing your life so they'll get better. It's about changing your life so that you can be happy no matter what happens with them. Um, And in my particular situation, I would love for Colin to talk about his side of this. Um, And he said it several times to different people that once he saw me being able to find myself again, it was kind of like a wake up call to him like, oh, crap. Yeah, I remember what life was like when we enjoyed our lives. What what am I doing with myself? You know, so you're you're most likely going to impact somebody in a positive way by finding your own happiness again. Maybe you won't, but it'll impact you. It'll impact yourself. So get you some books, get in some online groups. I swear the Facebook groups because they're so constant. There's so many people posting so many stories and then you can read all the comments. You can ask a question of like, okay, what does it mean to set a boundary? And there are experienced people in those groups who will give you their stories, who will not judge you, who understand. It's an incredible, incredible thing to be surrounded by people who have been through it. Your mom and your sister and your cousin Sandy and your Uncle Joe can all tell you their opinions on the situation. But if they have not been through it, they're not going to be able to tell you the most helpful stuff. They're not going to understand it. And you're most likely going to leave feeling frustrated and judged and shameful that you're still in this relationship. Don't, don't take advice from people who haven't been through it. Please don't. Um, yeah, that might even be the most important part of this. Please don't take advice from somebody who has not actually been through it and come out happier on the other side. If you've got somebody who's been through it, but they're still miserable in their life, maybe they're together with their spouse, maybe they're not, but they're still miserable, don't take advice from them. You take advice from people who are in a place you want to be, from people who are have found their happiness, um, who have found their like life goals to be fulfilled. And I'm not even saying that things aren't are going to be perfect in their lives. In our lives, things are not perfect. We still fight about stuff. We still argue. But we are in a place where I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to take care of myself. I am going to be able to find happiness. My happiness and my existence does not rely on whether or not somebody else gets better or continues to get better or not anymore. That That's not where I am. So <laughs> I feel very strongly about all of this. I hope this that you guys got something out of this. Find you a book. Find you a podcast. There's a great podcast called Love Over Addiction. Um, I know that can be scary sometimes if you think that your spouse is going to see that you're listening to this and they're like, I'm not an addict. I'm sorry. That's too bad. This is my life. I think you are, so I'm going to listen to this. If I listen to this and I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're not. That's fine, but you're probably not going to end up on a podcast like that if your spouse is not dealing with some type of addiction issues. 
Super helpful podcast, though, for real. Um, you can scroll down and see topics on all kinds of different things. There's a million, a million different resources out there. Find you some. Talk to somebody. Go to therapy. Find you a therapist, and you go. Dragging your spouse to therapy isn't going to help. Um, it, it didn't help. We tried it in the beginning, and it was Cullen sitting there pissed off because I made him go, and we weren't going to be allowed to talk about the addiction stuff. We were just going to have to talk about the rest of our marriage, which wasn't helpful because... How can you help the situation if you're not addressing the major elephant in the room? So, okay, I'm going to wrap this up for real. I keep going on, but I hope this has been helpful to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if there are questions you have or things that you are unclear about or want me to address, you can get in touch with me through my social platforms, Instagram. I'm on there, katiepie07. Um that's probably the best way to get in touch with me, honestly. So um, I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing your stories. If you have a story that you want to share with me, please feel free to do so. I love y'all. And I am sending you some super duper strength because strength is what you need. And most of all, know that you are not alone. It's a lonely place to be in a relationship with somebody who has addiction issues you're not alone, I promise, and you will get through this. Y'all have a great day. Bye.